Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Investor Lab, the auditory epicenter for passionate people seeking life, a freedom, choice, and abundance. My name is Goose. My name is Gabby. Hey. Hello. Hey. Yeah. Hello. Welcome Hello. to the Wealth and Walking podcast. Apparently, for a, for a, for Australians. <laughs> <laughs> Solid. Solid. What a solid intro. Wow. Oh, that is good. So <laughs> guys, we've we've gotten wind that apparently a lot of you listen listen to this podcast while you're going for a walk. So we're trying to make it as walkable as possible. <laughs> How do you make a podcast walkable? I don't know. Make it up. All right, what are we talking about today, Gabby? <laughs> Hunting hotspots. Which one? We're, we're, we're churning through them. We're going through them. We're getting it done because they are all really interesting and really impactful to understand all of them. So we're up to number seven, which is education medical infrastructure. And why is this important? Why would anyone care? If someone just tuned into this and they said, hang on, they're talking about walking. <laughs> I came here to like learn about property. Why would anyone care about education and medical infrastructure? Well, it's part of, if you haven't experienced yet, it's part of a bigger series called the Hunting Hotspots series where we basically, there's roughly 10 key drivers that um, have been identified as major drivers for capital growth throughout Australian real estate. So we've gone through six already and now we're up to number seven, which is education, medical infrastructure, which... Is <laughs> why is this important though? Why is this important? We're just talking about it for like 40 minutes. I'll tell you why it's important. Why is it important? If you want to get rich, oh, sorry, that was a bit can that. No. <laughs> can we can that? That was not good. <laughs> All right, no, no, the real why is it important? Why is it important? Well, when you combine when you combine this with other factors, this is going to be one of the leading indicators you want to look for when you are looking for a growth node. Now, mm. everyone wants cash flow, but you also need growth. Growth is an important part in any property portfolio and being able to identify the right locations at the right time to get the maximum benefit is going to accelerate your property journey way, way faster. I've spoken to so many property investors who have bought and nothing has happened. Yeah. Like just like seven years later, same price. It's like, oh, that is rough. So when you start to understand this, don't take it for granted because understanding the impact and, and understanding how to think about the impact of these these uh, these core categories is what's going to transform your ability to start to see the right locations at the right time. And so mm-hmm. the impact of educa- education medical infrastructure is huge uh, and it's not just new stuff. It is also old stuff. We go into that in the episode. So does that kind of, did that give you a better idea, Gabby? Yep. Okay, great. Awesome. So if you have any interest in, in real estate investing, if you have any interest in um, growing your property portfolio that is going to serve you rather than you serving it, then I suggest that this is probably for you. And if you want some help, to find these locations. If you love this, be like, you know what, I'm busy and I can't be bothered doing it myself, then feel free to let us know. You can reach out to us via theinvestorlab.com.au. And as ever, this is part of a bigger series that has a downloadable and you can go to theinvestorlab.com.au, go to the resources section, download the free guide. What's it called? How to find a real estate hotspot or something to that effect. It's about that. It's about that. Something like that. You work it out. You'll work it out. Go there <laughs> and check it out. We believe in you. There's heaps of good stuff. Go download it all. There's a heap of free gear there. <laughs> There's enough stuff on that website that, and with these podcasts that you can go out and be a successful real estate investor all on your own. That is the goal. That's the goal. So enough waffle. Let's get into it. Any final words, Gabby? Just f- full ones. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys. We'll see you on the inside. 
guys, welcome back to the Investor Lab. Gabby, how are you? Fantastic. How are you? Good. Right. It's, been, it's been a little while since we actually did a podcast. It has been a little while. We're actually doing one on a Sunday, guys. It's a Sunday. People yeah. might go, oh, you're working on a Sunday, but it's not really work, is it, Goose? Nah, it's chatting. Just having a chat. It's interesting as well because we've obviously changed up a fair bit of the uh, programming of the Investor Lab and there's been a lot of changes. Yeah. I, look, I think it's been awesome. I think it's been good too. I'm a the, little bit biased, but Yeah, but that's good. okay. It's good. But it's good. We, we, I, feel like it, I feel like it's been so long since we've actually recorded a podcast together. I don't think anybody the, else might. The OGGs. The OGGs. <laughs> GGs. The OGGs. OGGs. So Gabby, what's um, what's going on? What's 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 news in your world? Everyone hears me gas bagging all the time. What's going on in your world? Tell everyone well, a bit of a story. Um, what's going on? We we are buying houses. Buying <laughs> we are houses, changing yeah. lives. Um, look, we we got back from Yamba a couple of weeks ago. Yep. Bloody beautiful there. Um, one day we'll get there. <laughs> ne- next next episode, guys, we'll we're be, slum- we'll be yeah, we're slumming we'll be it in Bondi. Yeah. We're slumming it in in Bondi, the most I, desirable y- beach. And yeah, no, I know. Australia. And then tough, isn't it? So you're in Yamba, beautiful. Again, I'll say it again, beautiful place. Um, but then you get back to where we live all the time, and still a beautiful place. And now the weather's getting better. You know, Victoria, where all of our families are, is opening up. Our families are planning visits up here. It's very exciting. It's super exciting. I'm excited to see our family. <laughs> now, if you're listening to this and it sounds like all we do is go to beautiful places, it's kind, it's kind of true, but you can do it too. The, you can. Do you want to know the secret? <laughs> I'd love to know the secret. Rent vesting. It's a good strategy. It is a good strategy. It is a good strategy. Live, live where you desire and invest where it makes the most amount of sense. Have we talked about that specifically on the podcast? You know what? Least? I'm actually not sure if we have actually done we an episode. We probably should because we pretty much live that philosophy out. Oh, it's the single best thing. Indefinitely. It's the single best thing you can in, you can do if you actually want to build a property portfolio that's going to give you what you need. Mm-hmm. You probably bought portfolio be able to buy your dream home anyway later on. I mean, there's, there are other strategies. If you've got already got your home and you're living in it, you don't have to think, oh, do I need to move out of this and start renting? No, there's other cool stuff you can do like debt recycling and you know all kinds of other fun and interesting stuff. But if you haven't yet bought your dream home, rent investing can be a really good um Really good way to mm-hmm. to to get ahead, increase your serviceability and stuff. So for sure, another episode. Yes, sorry, yes. I'm. I know. Cool. Thanks for. You know what? Thanks because I have a propensity to just. <laughs> we could turn this into. The, we could turn this episode into that one. <laughs> and we're talking about this topic today, Goose. Yeah, right. Okay, so I'm going to go over that way. And yeah, talk about yeah, yeah. the opposite thing. Yeah, Char- I think Charlie could learn a lesson from you because Charlie just lets me. We just end up <laughs> going off wherever. Like we'll go. Hey, we're going to go talk about this today, and then we'll end up somewhere about five miles from. Okay, this is good. This is good. Back on track. Park Back the rent vesting conversation. Got it. Why, we- why are the people here? Will you tell me? What are we doing here? <laughs> you know what? We're going to keep going with hunting hotspots. Yep. Because there are 10 parts in this magical series and really we need to get through them. We need to, we need you know, to get through at, them. I looked, at the ske- I looked at the schedule, right? I looked at the schedule. Now- We've got a couple of options. We're going to either ramp these up and do a few more in a row. Because yep. based on the schedule, we're not going to finish this series until like March or something. So I think we owe it to the people to, to get a wriggle on and get yep. stuck into it. What do you Let's mean? Let's do it. Let's right. do it. Okay. So 
Where are we up to? Number seven. What's number seven? What is what is core category number seven in the hunting hotspot series, Gabby? Education, medical infrastructure. Mm. Again, guys, if you haven't yet downloaded the PDF report that we have that we've done in conjunction with hotspotting, um, which is the how to identify real estate hotspots PDF. It's great. Go and download it from theinvestorlab.com.au. Grab a copy, have a read, read along as you're listening to us. Although we do hear that most people go on walks while they're listening to the podcast. So maybe don't read while you're walking around. I mean, you can if that's how you want to live your life. Maybe we'll release it. You do you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right. So what are we talking about today? Learning and healing. Learning and healing. Learning and healing and growth. (laughs) That's it. Okay. Yes. All right, so let's talk about this because education and medical infrastructure is actually huge. It's actually a huge Mm -hmm. growth driver, Um, particularly when there's an expansion going on. Really? Yeah, for sure. Because what you'll note is that pretty much any good growth location has education and medical infrastructure. Well, Mm -hmm. actually, it's probably a bit of an overstatement. There are plenty of other places that grow. But as one of the the core drivers that you want to look for, you want to look for whether it does, whether a location that you're selecting has good medical and education infrastructure. What do we mean by education, medical infrastructure? Really top level. Okay, so... is typically you're looking for something like a hospital or a university nice. campus. Yep. Um, most towns and stuff of any size or, or substantiation are probably going to have a primary school uh, and potentially going to have a uh, high school. Mm-hmm. Those, in in my view, aren't they're not the education infrastructure you're looking for, right? What you're looking for is tertiary education mm-hmm. and you're looking for advanced medical because just having a doctor's office in a town and a primary school, I probably wouldn't consider those to be medical and health infrastructure. But but when you then start taking it to the next level and start looking at you know specialist hospitals and, uh, and university campuses and stuff like that, that becomes a real driver for growth. And the reason for that is for a couple of things. Firstly, it, those the larger facilities employ more people, so they be, mm-hmm. it's a, kind of leans into it being a, a jobs facility as well. We'll talk about jobs nodes in a uh, later uh, later episode, but they but they're, they're typically good employers. So if you've got a big hospital, not only do you have the medical staff, but you also have the facility staff. So they're typically big employers because they're quite intensive in places to be. Vice versa, so are so are university campuses. Campuses, you know. But not only that, you have a good amount of staff, but you also have a good amount of students. So if you think, you know, there's 30, 40 students per class, so then all of a sudden you're actually really bulking up the volume of human beings that are interacting with these facilities. Does that kind of make sense and give you a bit of a distinction about how to think about it? Yeah, totally. I'd like to just, if we just talk about the education part of that for a sec, Mm. because you touched on something interesting about it's usually the universities, so the bigger campuses and the bigger, they're almost commercial Entities in themselves, well, universities, yeah. right? Yeah. Compared to like primary schools and high schools are education, but you wouldn't consider them in the same way. But I was seeing that distinction. I was like, why do universities contribute to stronger growth mm. compared to like primary schools or high schools? And I guess part of that is A, the size of the facility itself and more jobs and more employment, mm. um, but also the the consumers of that education, right? Because like a university is full of adults who then interact and spend money in that location compared mm. to like a primary school, which the kids just have pocket money and go to the local corner shop mm. <laughs> rather than 
contributing to the local economy. It's an interesting thought, though, because even though – sorry to ju- jump in there because yeah. you're, you're 100% right, and that's kind of why universities I, – I would – you know, for example, if we look at um, Sunshine Coast, uh, hospital expansions – University expansions. If you look at some places in the northern northern Brisbane suburbs, you've got university expansions and stuff like that. These are real drivers, partly because the expansion is going to employ uh, trades and all of that kind of stuff in the actual expansion expansion of the facilities, but it's going to attract people to move there. So people who want to study whatever is being taught at that location, and it could be an agricultural campus out in the middle of you know a regional area, but it's going to draw people to it to go and study there and that's going to bring those people to the town and they're going to be consumers and those consumers will spend money in the in the shops and all of that kind of stuff another thought that i just had though mm-hmm. and this is a really interesting thing because because i realized in saying oh it's not about primary schools and it's not about high schools that's not entirely true that's actually not entirely true because a lot of the time parents will move their families to a specific postcode in order to be in a desirable school catchment mm-hmm. and so that can create uh, scarcity in that suburb or that area and drive up prices too and that can be a contributing factor so there's an that's an interesting distinction there as well so it's not to just like write off um I, you know primary schools and high schools but you've got to draw a distinction about what is the economic or, or socioeconomic impact of that Faculty. So, for example, I grew up in a very small country town. You know, uh, there's smaller towns in the world, but you know, like pretty small, sort of one street, couple, of, only a couple of shops. No traffic lights. No traffic lights. No roundabouts. No nothing like that. Um, everyone kind of relatively knew each other. All of that kind of stuff. Now, the primary school that I was at had 200 students from top to bottom, from from prep to grade six. Now, I, I don't think that was like the most high grade it was a public primary school that infrastructure is wouldn't be drawing people there like oh my god i gotta put people in the glengarry primary school however here's another thing to think about if glengarry didn't have a primary school it probably wouldn't have been such an economic center in the area small town but still there were smaller towns in the area that had less stuff going on <laughs> so even even that can be a distinction that's going to gather people together because people want to be with, within walking distance from schools and all of that kind of stuff just playing this out a little further and this is a really interesting thing to consider when people are thinking about uh, the proximity to these kind of kind of facilities there's a couple of we can talk about expansions and, oh, my God, growth zones and all that kind of stuff. But I think if we look at um, existing and non-expanding facilities and what role they play in the growth story, I think that's really interesting because uh, there have been studies that have uh, been done that have shown that the ideal distance to be from a, a school or an education facility for growth is between 200 metres and one kilometre. You don't want to be too close because they'll be too noisy, uh, but you don't want to be so far that your kids can't walk to school. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that creates an interesting distinction. Now, even if I took that to the tiny country town that I grew up in, which I wouldn't consider to be a growth area, you know, there's a there's a big difference between whether you're walking distance from the school or not, you know, and, that, and I think that pl- plays a role in the psychographics of the positioning of it. The other thing to then think about is, with um, hospitals, even if they are existing and all of that kind of stuff, you're still going to have uh, staffing turnover. You're still going to have young people that are moving up the ranks in their medical profession and getting jobs there and all of that kind of stuff. So the types of properties that are appropriate in those areas 
uh, are different again as well. And so what you tend to find is that, say, rooming houses or uh, micro-apartment accommodation or any of those kind of like specialist accommodation solutions actually do really well around hospitals and also universities because of the same characteristics. Interesting, huh? Why do you think that is? Why do I think they do better around those those uh, places? Yeah. Uh, because of the... Uh, demographic and psychographic profile of the people that are coming into those areas. So, for example, if you look at, say, Monash University in, where is it, Clayton? Clayton. Or, yeah, in, in Melbourne. So, there's a lot more, there's a higher density of rooming houses and micro-apartments around that area for student accommodation. Mm-hmm. Because they can, they're typically looking for a cheap accommodation solution that really only needs to accommodate one person. Right, so they're happy with a tiny space that they can pay less and spend more on noodles, and you know, life's good. <laughs> Vice versa, when you've got a, a young doctor who is probably not going to be at a because faci- doctors get moved around, they get put on secondment or whatever. The, their job they get when they're in their twenties is probably not going to be the job they have when they're thirties in their thirties, mm-hmm. right? Yep. So then you think, well, okay, given that, given that, say, let's just, and I'm, I'm, I'm generalizing here, and as someone who's never studied to be a doctor, I could get this a bit wrong, right? <laughs> but if you imagine the process being like, okay, finish high school, go to uni. So we've kind of covered uni students. Now, if you're studying medical, you're going to be, you know, probably pretty into your studies. I hear it's quite hard, and not everyone can do it that well. <laughs> so. And then, so then you then you go, okay, great. Now I've got a job, and you're probably going to be working heaps of shift work and all that kind of stuff. Your living your living requirements probably haven't changed a lot. You're probably still relatively single, and you probably don't need a lot of space. You just need a place to sleep and get and go to work because you're career focused. Mm-hmm. And so the need for space, the need for family homes and stuff, isn't. You know, it creates a gap in the market, right? It's not to say there's no need for family homes and stuff like that. That's, that'd be stupid. But it creates an interesting segment in the market where you can position a unique um, type of property asset that is going to benefit and support that that market. So met product market fit, basically. Does that make sense? Totally, yeah. So I, I think of this, it's, it's largely psychographic-based, really. It's like why... What kind of product is going to do well in that location based on the reason why people are there in the first place mm. versus we just so happen to have freestanding houses so that's what people want, which may not necessarily be the case. T- totally, right? So if you use the, the, the high school and primary school examples, mm-hmm. family homes, right? Yep. You don't have a lot of single, ready to mingle ten-year-olds that are just packed their bags and they're off to, <laughs> off to mo- they're moving to Sydney to go go to high school or whatever, yeah. whatever age the ten-year-old. I don't know what happens when you're ten years old. Um, <laughs> but you know, the, the point being, you're right. You're right. There is a psychographic positioning around it. You know, who is going to be in this area, yep. and that actually interestingly drives the um, commercial realities of the locations as well. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you have, I don't know. A thousand uni students moving to an area because there's a there's an expansion of James Cook University and they're all like, oh great, there's all these cool new things and we're going to go study there. Guess what else is going to pop up? There's going to be there's going to be more share house accommodation. Um, you know, rental demand is going to go up. Uh, different types of shops will appear in the local areas. So it kind of drives a lot of commerce, which is what drives the growth because it mm-hmm. drives drives broader prosperity. But again. 
you know, there are some parts in um, Frankston, for example. I know I know people in Frankston who the the consideration of what street they live in, in terms of is it in a certain school catchment, is really important, and that becomes a driver for growth in and of itself. But again, those families aren't looking for micro apartments. No, no. I was just thinking it's – I think the share house conversation is really interesting because you're right, you can have certain people – I'll take uni students as an example Yep. Um, because I have memories of not too long ago being a uni student and my friends all being that age. Yep. Um, but you, just, you definitely have a certain type of psychographic and a certain type of personality that will want to be in like student accommodation, have their single room, be in a kind of rooming house situation – where they um, kind of had that self-contained space to themselves, mm. but then you, so they'll probably want to be very close to the university, and that's when you see like the custom-built um, apartment blocks on the campus or very close to the campus to suit those people. Um, the flip side is the ones who want to be close by, who might be moving in from out of town, they want a share house in the neighbouring suburbs. So, like, I grew up in Geelong, and a lot of my friends. You know, you finish high school in Geelong and you're like, right, I'm moving to Melbourne now. So they move mm. up to, it was like the inner north, sub, inner northern suburbs like Brunswick and Carlton and that area is where everyone wanted to go. They didn't necessarily want to go and live in the rooming houses, live in the student accommodation like right on, mm. right in Melbourne Uni, but they'll move to Brunswick because it's like, oh, that's a little more hip. <laughs> And you know you pay through the nose for one bedroom, but you're in a you're in a like an eclectic, authentic Brunswick house, um, living you know what people perceive as like this ideal uni experience. Actually, my brother is doing this right now. He's in he's in Reservoir. He's got a he's in a share house in that exact type of house, and it's like you do have the noodle diet and the. All of your money probably goes on alcohol and noodles and that's about it. But it's like there's that psychographic effect on the surrounding suburbs, which is kind of what we're talking about, having that education infrastructure and how it affects the surrounding suburbs, not necessarily like right where the uni is. Yeah, 100%. And so it's pretty interesting when you start thinking about like what actual impact this has, you know, because mm-hmm. it's like like with all of these factors, it do, it's not just about property, it's about, you know, the community and what impact it's going to have more broadly and, you know, why is that going to drive economic growth and all of that kind of stuff. It's interesting to use a couple of examples, I think, Mm -hmm. as well. One of the reasons Adelaide has been performing so well broadly is because of its medical and health, uh, medical and education infrastructure. Mm -hmm. So, if you look at City of Marion specifically, you know, they've got um, uh, Flinders University and Flinders Medical Precinct there and there's also a lot of innovation happening. There's an innovation precinct around there which has got a lot of biomedical studies as well which support both the university and the medical stuff together. You know, there's Mm -hmm. research uh, departments. Then you've got the expansion of or the development of the Royal Adelaide Hospital which is the... I get this wrong. The most expensive building. It was second most expensive building in the world, I think. Yeah, I remember that actually. Yeah, so the second most expensive building in the world. So they've really, you know, put a flag in the ground and said, "We are here for medical. This is going to be where. Mm. This is what we are basing this on. We're not going to dig a, a mine. We're going to we're investing in health, and that's how we're going to drive growth. And then even when you look in the, look in the northern suburbs of the Adelaide 
area, you've got multiple hospital expansions happening in and around the kind of Salisbury and Elizabeth areas, which are again driving more people out there. Now, not only does it create jobs, but it creates desirability and safety and security because people then think, okay, well, you know, there is a part of people's mind where they think about shelter and they think about security and the Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And they go, okay, cool. There are facilities nearby. If my kid gets sick, if I get sick, I have all this. And it creates that um, that that proximity to, to safety and security, which gives people a lot of comfort and benefits benefits the the psychographic impact of that area. Another really another really good example to use would be the city of Brimbank in uh, Melbourne. So you've got Victoria University in Footscray, and I think you've got a few different campuses there. Isn't it more than there's a couple of different universities in Footscray, I think. Mm-hmm. And then you've got the expansion of the um, Sunshine Hospital and all of this kind of stuff. And it's this combination of factors which, which has actually been you know, a, a combined with uh, urban renewal projects and infrastructure. That's actually what's been driving City of Brimbank and Sunshine and all of that kind of stuff massively. That's why prices have gone up so much because you've got these combined factors. Because the other thing that happens as well is when kids go to uni or kids, I say kids, <laughs> you've got, got to sell it so old. You know, when people basically my age are going to uni, uh, um, um, it, it creates also an affinity with the location. Yeah. So f- using Footscray for, as an example is like, you know, Footscray, a lot of people, you know, when I first moved to Melbourne, uh, Footscray was kind of very edgy. And when I say edgy, people didn't really want to go there. That's what I mean by edgy. Mm-hmm. But because of the culture and because a lot more uh, younger people were exposed to that environment and also lived there, it drew other people to that environment, which also helped to change it and cause that kind of gentrification, which we've spoken about in, in previous episodes. So we spoke about that in... Ooh, which no, one? a number. Wow. Oh, let me work that out. Um, we spoke about that one in the, not lifestyle features, Ugly Duckling. We spoke about that one in the Ugly, ugly Duckling. Back in number two. Back in number two. God. Nice. I think it was months ago. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, and th- so this is where we start to see these factors coming together. And I think this is really the, the meat of what's actually important about this whole series you can look at any of these individual things and go, okay, well, what is the singular impact? Would I buy somewhere? Uh, would I buy somewhere just because there is a, a university? Well, if there was other factors that were going to provide that gel, which is why we say you need sort of want to look for three to four of these factors all kind of working together. And when you see that, that's where you do see growth. Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna add there. It, it seems like. N- it's very rare that you're going to have like an infrastructure, sorry, a medical infrastructure project or a new education facility that doesn't have some of these other supporting drivers. It's it's rare that you're going to get a uni pop up somewhere and there's not other, you know, council involvement and urban renewal plans and there's it's usually combined with other elements, right? Yeah, absolutely. You're absolutely 100% correct. These things don't happen by accident. It's not like universities accidentally, you know, eat too many carbs and blow out a little bit and suddenly spawn another campus somewhere by accident. It doesn't happen like that at all. These are all very strategically designed uh, expansions of local communities with government support, 
uh, private commerce support and all of that kind of stuff. So if you if you hear about these kind of projects, much like infrastructure projects, mm-hmm. the best time to benefit from them is when they've just been announced. You know, if there's going to be an expansion of a university, adding a new campus, that's where you get the most amount of benefit. But the benefit's going to be ongoing, and you often tend to find that these 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 things tend to lean into stuff like the stayers, which I think we spoke about in the last hunting hotspots. Mm-hmm. But you're right; these things generally don't happen in a silo. However, sometimes they do. So sometimes you may get a campus of a university which studies a very specific thing, and the reason it needs to be somewhere quite remote is for the specific thing. So it could be it could be an agricultural university um, that has an agricultural campus in a remote country town. And whilst that may have some benefit to the local town, it's probably not going to be as substantial as, you know, a new Deakin University campus in Geelong. You know, that probably wouldn't have the same level of effect, partly because of a volume of students and, you know, uh, supporting infrastructure and all of that other kind of stuff as well. So you sort of need to look at these things and go, okay, well, what is it? But then also why, what, what long tail impact? What not the short head, but the long tail? What's mm-hmm. that going to impact, and, and how is that going to be supported over the long term? There's an interesting thing with the old uh, education infrastructure, though, because you know a lot of um, universities are now starting to do digital courses and things like that. Mm-hmm. So the impact of education infrastructure, uh, well, look, I don't think it's going to drop off. I really don't. But I think it's it's interesting to think what might happen if universities realize they don't have to have all the operating overheads of having live campuses and just did everything digitally 100% digital what that what impact that might have on local communities and in fact whether the government would even allow them to do that because of the economic impact that would have on those communities it's an interesting thought well, yeah it's kind of like you know we've been talking about the exodus to affordability and lifestyle mm. that people are having for their careers for their jobs they're realizing they don't have to go into work a lot of people yep can continue to work remotely so why do i live in a congested city when i could live somewhere where i've always wanted to live and maybe commute once a week or something if i need to it's almost the same a similar thing might be happening it might not as you as you're saying the government is most likely to interfere because it's a huge revenue generation activity for them um but there might be more conversations around as a student would I need to continue to be live close by when I only have to do online classes mm. and maybe go in for exams once, uh, like twice a year or however often? Imagine you know, how that, much that would change the game. Yeah, it's really interesting because it, it would be interesting from the cultural perspective of like uni students if people would still want to move to places like in a in a north of Melbourne, because, like, because everyone still wants to belong, right? So when you yeah, when you think about sure. when you think about that from a societal perspective, because on the one on when you started saying that, I was like, yeah, I mean, what would be the impact if you were going to spend one hundred and fifty dollars to live in a, uh, uh, let's be honest, like a pretty probably a pretty dirty share house and all that. Like most, I've been there. I share house for years. <laughs> you know, it's it's um it's a fun time of your life, but it's probably not the most hygienic, right? <laughs> um, now that. That, but there's a belonging, you know. There's a sense of community and, mm-hmm. and all of that kind of stuff. Now you could go. I could spend 150 bucks a week or whatever to rent a share room to have just a room in a house, or I could spend 150 dollars a week and I could live in some far flung remote um, beach town and surf every day and just do my uni classes and study and surf. But 
you probably miss out on the social factor. Yeah. So then you've got this this idea that would people still self um, self uh, self learn? I was going to say self coagulate, and they're going to like they're going to bring themselves together to mm. form those pods. And what would that look like? And would you have start to have um, satellite communities, much like there are digital nomad communities in places like Bali? They're centered in 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 nodes. There are digital nomad nodes, you know, typically in Ubud and Seminyak, and there are some specific places where they all go and congregate together, and so they can be with other people like them. So, would that happen? I know we're going off on a philosophical tangent about what will happen if if <laughs> uh, if all education goes goes online, but it's an interesting thought and what impact that might have on 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 the on the communities and the growth. I think they would still. I think the cultural the culture cultural pull is still too strong there. I would mm. I would imagine. I'm just I'm putting myself in my brother's shoes. I would imagine that you would still move to that location do your uni classes online and you get a job like it's the same it's the same as what they kind of do now not everyone like uni for most people isn't a 40 hour a week go in and do that you might have 10 10 hours early days you might have 10 hours of uni that week so if you can do that online but then you get a job around the side of it so it probably would not change too much interesting initially maybe interesting interesting well that, I don't think that's happening anytime soon. No. But it's an interesting thought because, and I think what this, I think people need to understand the impact of these, um, these, these factors and what they do have on on community desirability. Because you know, like in some of the more prestigious suburbs, you know, this applies both on a on a macro and a micro. If you go out to like regional centres and regional hubs, you got places like you know Port Macquarie, Sunshine Coast, Bendigo, Geelong. These these have all benefited from from things like. New, new medical infrastructure and new university expansions or new university and education infrastructure. But flipping it to the other side and going, okay, what happens in the capitals, being in those specific catchments is also a key driver of growth. You know, I remember I remember talking to, talking to some people who were prepared to, they couldn't find a place to buy in a specific suburb, but because it was outside their budget, but they were prepared to uproot their family move and rent in a specific suburb in order to get their kids into the right postcode. So it's an interesting thing mm. to understand what impact even the existing infrastructure might have and on on that desirability. And the easiest way to think about that is how would I feel? Like if I had a family, yeah. if I was the average person, how would I feel? So Yeah. Anyway, if you want to read more about this, make sure as Gabby said, you can get the downloadable on the Investor Lab website, just head to the resources section. And if there's anything we can do to help you advance your property journey, then please just reach out and let us know. And as always, if this has been beneficial, if you found it interesting, and if you've enjoyed your walk. <laughs> get them steps up. Get them steps up. <laughs> this should be like the property and fitness podcast. <laughs> we, should, we, should, we should try and work out how many steps need it like takes. like a 120 BPM beat going underneath. <laughs> <laughs> indeed, indeed, indeed. <laughs> All right, so if you want to work out and get uh, get wealthy, then this is the <laughs> podcast for you. Um, but in the meantime, let us know what you think. Feedback is always deeply, deeply appreciated. Share this with a loved one, a friend, a family member, all of that kind of stuff. But otherwise, we'll see you on the inside. Bye.